Slips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We gotta stop us! They're gonna kill us all! See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so obvious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to win the change of the people who run it, and the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming! We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others will take. But as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not give that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay, welcome to Free Association. Uh, my name's Dennis. It's 4 o'clock in the UK. I just realized I left my mic open all the way through that break, but never mind. I don't think I had... I don't think I made any any strange noises at any point, but if I did, then uh, that'll be why. So it's four o'clock in the UK. It's eleven o'clock on the East Coast in the States. Uh, we've got a, a room full of chat people, so I'm going to say hello to everybody. Uh, probably not not by name, but I know Mitzi, Azra, Pat Rabbit, uh, Mist. 139 are all in there. Captain Fred's in there. So, just a reminder, it's a good time to remind people that the, the chat room exists as part of the, the community and part of the radio station. 
So if you want to make a contribution, you can do that easily and without making a financial commitment just by coming down and saying hello in the chat room. Uh, on the other hand, if you do have any spare dollars that you might want to donate, there's an option to make donations, there's an option to buy merchandise, you can do all of those things. We're all volunteers and uh, we rely on the support of, of listeners and and everybody involved. Um, yeah, so all that being said, um, I've got a slightly different format this week. So I've, I've subscribed to the, the Spectator, which is a weekly magazine which does book reviews and, and political comment. So I might dive into a, an article from there at some point. I haven't quite made my mind up yet. So, so Mitzi, if you do, if you feel like having a chat online, on live on air, you're welcome to message me and I'll bring you in and we'll just have a chat because I've, I've got some clips to play and I was going to talk for 10, 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes, but I'm quite happy to have a conversation with anybody who wants to have a conversation and, uh, I haven't spoken to you for a while. So, if you want to do that, we can do that. If I know you, you're off to work at some point as well. So whatever works for you is fine. I'll just I'll carry on regardless and play the clips I've got lined up until until we work it out. So yeah, it's a slightly different format. Let me let me get the spectator. I think I'll do that first one. So this is this week's issue of the spectator. And there's a, there's an article in here which is more, it's the first article in the magazine, and it's headlined, What's the Point of Boris? Which I thought was direct and to the point. Um, it's not too long, it might take me ten minutes to read it, but, uh, I'll, I'll do my best with it. I might skip over the middle, middle bit because it gets a bit dull sometimes. These, these articles are a bit dull, but they're necessary, I think. Um, as is UK column, which I've got a couple of clips of. Uh, so a lot of the time we get caught up in the, in the political drama, the political theatre, and don't see what's going on underneath. And I know there's some, uh, there's some things going on with truckers in Canada. And that's, that's the big, big drama of the moment over there. With, with the UK, we've got Boris Johnson. More or less fighting for his political life at the moment. So Boris is going through a bit of a, a Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, it's King Lear or Henry V, maybe. One of those things. And, uh, but it's definitely a descent into madness because that's the way Boris does things. So I'm going to read this, this article. It's, as I said, it's from the spectator. And it's headlined, What's the Point of Boris? Uh, the, anger, the anger against the Prime Minister for failing to observe the rules which he imposed upon the rest of us is justified. Even so, there will, be so, there will come a point of, at which the public starts to ask, aren't we spending too much time obsessing about the parties? Uh, for those who don't know, there's a the issue in the UK, one of the issues is that Downing Street were having bring your own booze parties in the garden when nobody else was allowed to do it. So he's made one rule for the for the whole country and then he's just ignored it basically. 
as as have the staff at Downing Street. So they've had they've had sixteen parties are being investigated, twelve of which may have broken the law sufficiently for the Metropolitan Police to investigate. So that's the background, but this, that's where this article comes from. So Johnson's electoral mandate gives him the the chance to redeem himself, to show that he has the ideas to get Britain out of this mess and that although he, he may make mistakes over more trivial matters he gets the big decisions right but I, I don't think he gets the big decisions right personally but this is a spectator and it's a, it's a conservative leaning magazine and they like Boris Johnson and he used to write for them at one point uh, and he used to edit the magazine interestingly a few years ago so, in defying Sage's advice in December, Johnson saved Britain from a needless lockdown. He could and should have done this at a far earlier stage last year, but he nonetheless deserves credit. He should, he should now move on to the next phase of his leadership and show, show us what he means by those much-repeated soundbites, Global Britain and levelling up. Well, the levelling up programme is something that uh, affects me where I am. I'm in the north of England, and the levelling up programme is a plan. Is a, it's, it's basically a propaganda campaign, but in theory it's a plan to, to invest in, in the north of England. They call it the Northern Powerhouse. Manchester, uh, Leeds, Bradford, Sheffield, and up to Newcastle. So it's, uh, it's a, everything pretty much turns into a propaganda campaign with no substance to it. But, uh, in theory, leveling up is, uh, is a way of, of increasing investment in the north of England. Which is much needed because it gets, the north of England gets ignored and London is effectively the centre of the country even though it's, it's the southeast and it's, it's the centre of the country because it's the closest place to Europe really. And, uh, a lot of the activity from Europe and international airports, obviously Heathrow is a huge hub, Gatwick is a huge hub and then Stansted as well. There was a plan at one point to put an airport in the Thames estuary. Well, fortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, I don't know how that would quite have worked. But um, it's a, a grand idea, but not very practical. So anyway, that's. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not going to read all of this article. It's, uh, it gets dull from there. I, rec- I recorded it yesterday, and I didn't read it all yesterday either when I was recording it. So I can't manage to get past the first four paragraphs. But uh, it's a different format, so I'm just working this out as I go along. Uh, so let's move on to to UK Column now. UK Column is a, a broadcasting operation that runs three programmes a week on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, aimed at the United Kingdom, but it covers global news, European news as well, but it's 
primarily aimed at a UK audience. And uh, they're funded by donations. And they do interesting work. They, I used to listen to UK Column years ago, and I've just got back into it um, as a result of hanging around with, with activists who are listening to it. So I've got a piece from yesterday, which is uh, about, about 20 minutes from the middle of UK Column, which is talking about um, war being declared on cancer in the UK. So they're... Again, another <clears throat> another potential propaganda campaign or a, a potential way of moving money from the National Health Service to the private sector. There's no telling what, what the Conservative government might do. So you've got to keep a very, very close eye on that. But uh, this, is, this is the report from yesterday. I'll let it run for about 20 minutes and then, then I'll have a conversation again. And, and we'll see where we go from there. So that, and they're wanting to stick it to the people to get them to fork out to pay for failed policies and literally blowing money like there was no tomorrow, just throwing tens of billions around on programs and no one's seen any results whatsoever on it. All it's done is plunge the country into debt. And so it's you, making some people richer, though. It, oh yeah, yeah. If you're lucky enough to be involved in the COVID economy, mm. uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. So it, it, this would be very interesting to see. Uh, if this actually happens over the next month. Okay, so we're talking about all-cause mortality and uh, we're talking about the effect of lockdown. Uh, it seems like the government has decided that because they have uh, completely destroyed the well, NHS, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're now going to put lots more money in the into, COVID uh, economy. Well, as Debbie said on Monday's program, uh, or on Wednesday's program, sorry, uh, cancer. Cancer is the next big thing uh, because there is going to be a 10-year war, national war, no less, on cancer. That's That's what it is. Uh, so uh, here's uh, Sajid. I hope it's more successful than the war on COVID. Uh, no, uh, as you'll see in a second, uh, we'll, we'll explain that. So here's Sajid Javid. He said, let this be the day where we declare a national war on cancer. We've published the call for evidence for a new 10-year cancer plan for England. It's not for the other nations, as we'll come on to, but uh, it's for England. A searching new vision for how we can lead the world in cancer care. How do you think we're going to lead the world in cancer care, Patrick? Um. Well, that will tell you, because here it is. The plan will show how we're learning the lessons from the pandemic and apply them to improving cancer services over the next decade. It will take a far-reaching look at how we want cancer care to be in 2032, 10 years from now, looking at all stages from prevention to diagnosis to treatment and to vaccines. That'll take them about that long to get through the NHS waiting, the current waiting list. Won't no, no, it won't, because all those people will be dead before the end of the year. Don't worry. Oh, uh, so maybe that's the plan. That is the plan, of course. Uh, we want to hear views from far and wide to help us shape this work. Please join us in this effort so fewer people face the heartache of losing a loved one to this wretched disease. This man is a hypocrite. He was in the mail today uh, because he was uh, crying tears over his father. I'm very sorry his father passed away from cancer, but the point is he has stood by while thousands of people has passed away from cancer in the last two years, was released while he was responsible and his predecessor, Matt Hancock, before that, while thousands of people have passed away from cancer through not getting the treatment that they needed 
uh, in the National Health Service because the National Health Service was redeployed and fixated on one thing. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a quiet ticking bomb, Mike. Um, those thousands or tens of thousands or whatever, those numbers are just going to be compounded over the next six months, over the next year, over the next three years. Where do you draw the line on this basically freezing the NHS and turning it into a COVID-only yes. health service? I mean, where does, where does the timeline end on the fallout from that? It, I'm, it, I'm telling you, it, it, it can push you right past 2032. Yes. So. so let's just briefly look at some of the past headlines on this topic. So here's the British Medical Journal. COVID-19 early stage cancer do- diagnoses fell by a third in first lockdown. Uh, UK cancer care threatened by government incompetence from the Lancet. Uh, prostate cancer diagnoses plunged 54% in first lockdown from, uh, that's the I. Uh, World Cancer Day fears of mental health time bomb as cancer waiting lists continue to grow from the Edinburgh News. It, it is just all the way through the, the, the mainstream press. Uh, but, you know, certain government secretaries of state have the, the, the brass neck to get up and say, we're going to deal with the problem. Well, you've created the problem in the first place. You've, you're justifying dealing with it by the problem that you created. This is absolute problem reaction solution, to use the term. Whenever you see the government saying they're declaring war on anything, whether it's war on drugs, war on poverty, war on COVID, War on cancer, okay, you, you know, basically that they're setting up a new Ponzi scheme. It, it's a massive distraction. Yes. And so in this case, clearly, he's trying to basically deflect from something that is actually a serious problem under his watch, well, under well, his government's responsibility. Well, that's absolutely true, Patrick. But as well as that, there's money going into this, mm. you know, huge amounts of money going into this. Oh, so yeah. again, you know, over the next period of time, we're going to have uh, new vaccines being developed new uh, surveillance, new biosurveillance, new biosecurity policies coming in, well, the, uh, it's and, a very and mass big, testing for cancer. It's a big business in America. Obviously, if the, the, the business model has been tried and tested, a, a man of Deutsche Bank, he would be able to tell you that's the case. Uh, basically, what you do is the, you try to bankrupt families uh, in order to, uh, in the final years of their life, through chemotherapy mm. and through all these other expensive cancer treatments, all it does is bankrupt families and it doesn't necessarily extend the life of most of the people receiving these treatments. It's a gamble. You roll the dice, and they, the oncologist will tell you, ah, oh, you got a 30% chance. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, you got a 15% chance. Oh, a stem cell uh, treatment, maybe that will work. Oh, that's only a couple of hundred thousand. Okay, you might need some finance for that. That's the business model for this industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Very, very successful. It's made a lot of people rich around the world, and so it looks like they want to, uh, ramp that one up. So let's uh, move over to Canada then, Patrick, and uh, the latest on the truckers. Right. So the trucking movement, as you'll see, uh, is gone kind of international. Uh, let's take a look at uh, what's going on here. Put the maple leaf there because this is really the symbol. It all started mm-hmm. in Canada. They're going strong in Ottawa. I don't. We, we don't need to tell you too much about that. Just go open up any Twitter or Telegram feed or check out Facebook and you'll see uh, YouTube. You'll see up to the minute. Uh, footage all the way. YouTube is very busy scrubbing all of this mm. uh, stuff as well. They're claiming it's right wing and so forth. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Freedom Convoy is going global. Look at this. France, uh, the Netherlands, there's there's one going on there. I think there's most European countries, there's something happening. You can see Hungary there. Look at that. They put the Canadian maple leaf flag up with their flags, which I think is uh, very good. So in the UK as well, you've got some more details about this. 
as well. So, you know, how much traction is any of this going to get in, you know, a country like the UK, for instance? Well, it's much harder in the UK because, you know, in the United States, Canada, truckers are, tend to be self-employed. They've got their own rigs, uh, and so they can go and do what they like. In the UK, many more truckers are sort of employed by some of the big uh, distribution companies, so it's harder for them. But there are still independent uh, uh, truckers out there, and I'm sure they'll be out uh, this weekend. Yeah, so it's interesting to see how this whole movement has gone international here. And so let's check out here. Yeah, if you want to find out what's going on around Europe, check out this. Uh, they're keeping tabs on this. This is European Freedom Convoy 2022. They've got updates from all the different countries that you can see all the flags represented there. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Even if it's not as big as what's going on in Canada, there's, there's a lot going on. What's, what it, what's significant about this is how it's networked up uh, globally. I think this is really unprecedented, actually. So keep an eye on that. That's going to be interesting. But this is where this issue is getting very real indeed. This isn't just people squatting around the Capitol building, having street parties, which will show uh, in Ottawa, in Canada. No, they're going for U.S.-Canada border crossing here, Montana and Alberta. Look at this. And it's been very successful. They've held the line, more or less. They've accused them of uh, blocking emergency vehicles, all sorts of things. That wasn't true. That was fake news. There, there was space for EMS and, and uh, essential uh, vehicles and emergency vehicles to, to pass through. So they tried to demonize them. They tried to call them far right and everything. But the, the, the voice of these truckers, of these protesters, they don't want vaccine mandates. They want it lifted. They want it lifted now. And it's being heard. Uh, Saskatchewan, another big province uh, in Canada, big geographically, of course, not population-wise, they've announced they're lifting all restrictions. So, so you know, there is some uh, local autonomy, regional autonomy on the provincial level in Canada. So you, you have this sort of situation. If this happens in a few other provinces, then, you know, Trudeau is really in trouble because he's taken this hardline stance mm -hmm. saying that these are all cranks and crackpots and far-right racists. He's used every sort of uh, epithet in the book. Um, but so anyway, it, very successful so far. I mean, very impressive how well organized they are. They're holding their press conferences. They've kicked out the mainstream media because they've been uh, putting out fake news about the movement. So they're inviting alternative media and, and some mainstream if they're friendly and they're not doing propaganda. I'm sure there's a seat there. But very well organized. They've got it broken up into uh, basically by province, so sub-organizations, and it's fairly decentralized. Um, they're very clear on their mission. It's very simple, very clear-cut. They want an end to uh, all COVID uh, uh, mandates and vaccine mandates. So look, it's looking good. So you probably noticed, uh, some people noticed, uh, Justin Trudeau went into hiding. Now, the, the fact-checkers tried to uh, debunk this, saying he didn't actually go into hiding. He, he left for his safety. Okay, it's the same thing. Justin Trudeau fled into hiding as soon as the truckers rolled in last week. As we, as we showed on the program last Friday. Well, what was he afraid of? He was afraid of actually having to face his electorate and go out and, like, actually go and have a dialogue with his own citizens, I think. And it was also he was scared because Native Americans started joining in with the truckers who are meant to be racists and far-right extremists. And, of course, you've got a full rainbow coalition going there. So this, so Trudeau, uh, he was eventually found in his cabin, uh, in Tofino or something like that. People located him. So the gig was up, and they, they, the government came and put a, a, a nice shiny mahogany pulpit in front of the house with a microphone. I mean, it's so incredible. And then he went on to cast, castigate all the truckers, all the protesters, 
you know, a good portion of his own population. He called them deplorable and beyond redemption. Okay, we've got that video clip. In case you haven't seen this yet, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, here's Justin Trudeau, Canadian Prime Minister. I know you're wondering about what you saw in our capital city this weekend. As my friend Erwin Kotler said on Saturday, freedom of expression, assembly, and association are cornerstones of democracy, but Nazi symbolism, racist imagery, and desecration of war memorials are not. It is an insult to memory and truth. Hate can never be the answer. Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and, frankly, disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I want to be very clear. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. Sorry, we won't be intimidated. Is that the royal way? We, but he said we won't be intimidated, but he ran away. But he, exactly. So he basically told a whole string of lies there. Pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no, they didn't steal food from the homeless. Truckers are actually feeding the homeless mm -hmm. in Ottawa. If you go look at the actual reports, uh, the racist flags. So if someone shows up with a Confederate flag at the Canadian capital, some lone nut, and the mainstream media were right there as he, as he appeared uh, off the sidewalk, right, ready to get close-up shots. And then, boom, that went right across the global media. These are far-right racists. What's a Confederate flag got anything to do with Canada? That's anyone's guess. And they didn't deface any war memorials either. Another lie. Uh, so, I mean, you, so you've got the prime minister just rattling off lie after lie, trying to defame and sort of malign uh, people who are out there, peaceful protesters. Let's take a look at these uh, hardcore far-right terrorists. terrorists. Let's take a look. We've got some footage here. Let's take a look. Okay, that's enough of that for the time being. Uh, it's good reporting, I thought. So I've just got back into UK column after after a period of time not really watching it and being more focused on on the United States. But I think it's time I got much more involved in in the UK side of things. I'm I'm connected up with the activists locally now. So we had a. A social, I call it social networking, social and networking meeting on Monday, which I organised, and uh, about eight people showed up, seven people over the plus me over the course of about three and a half hours. So I thought that was quite a successful first meeting, uh, and we meet every Sunday, stand in the park. So, and the plus there's a there's a meeting on there's an informal kind of version of a meeting on Wednesday afternoons as well. So there's plenty of opportunity for organising and uh, 
I seem to spend a lot of time signing signing petitions to get things discussed in Parliament at the moment because people keep sending me petitions to sign, so I'm doing that. And I'm going to stand in the park more or less every week. Plus, I've organised this informal social networking thing once a month, and I'm doing the radio show. So I've kind of I'm kind of involved in my own way, in my own quiet little way. Uh, other people go out and stand on the Tyne Bridge with signs. That's not really my style. But everybody's got their own way of, of doing these things, and uh, I'll just do my version, and everybody else can do their version, and we'll all we'll all get on fine. Uh, we're all heading in the same direction. We're all guided by the same star, if you like, for want of a better phrase. And, uh, yeah, that's... That's pretty much how it goes. I know there's a a truckers, well, it's a vehicle convoy really, more than a truckers convoy, um, because people I know people who are joining it. It's, I think it's due due to come down from Edinburgh today. They started in Edinburgh at ten thirty this morning, so and then moved on to, or started in Glasgow, then moved on to Edinburgh, and then down the A1 through Northumberland to Newcastle, down to Leeds, Bradford, across to Manchester, Liverpool, and then down to Birmingham and London from there. So I don't know the timing of it. I don't know exactly when they were coming through Newcastle, but I like to keep my head clear on one thing on a Saturday when I'm doing the radio show. So uh, anything that happens on Saturday, I don't really get involved in. If it had been another day, I'd have gone out and supported it. But uh, there's plenty of people. There's going to be plenty of people stood on the Tyne Bridge supporting. I think, and uh, it'll build up as it as it goes. It'll build up. Uh, so I'm expecting that to get get some attention tomorrow. Uh, I know they're organising on Telegram, uh, but that's more or less all I know. I didn't check to see the timings or anything, but. Uh, the Canadian, the Canadian trucker experience is, is inspiring people. It's inspiring people in Britain and all over Europe. And that's the important thing, really. It's, um, it's going to achieve something, uh, whether it's everything that they're asking for or just part of what they're asking for. If it's, if it's part of it, then there'll be another way of getting the, the other bits of it sorted out. Well, you've got to do, you've got to do something. And then see what response you get, and that's kind of how everybody's approaching it, I think. So that'll carry on. I'll 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 go back to UK column now. I'm rambling a bit, so let's go back to there for another five ten minutes. see why he would run away from that. I mean, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. I mean, bloodthirsty, aren't they? Yes. I mean, really intimidating. So, but look, words words have consequences, and people like Justin Trudeau and these politicians have put out all these sort of fake characterizations 
of the protesters, and by the way, this isn't uh, isolated to this incident. Mm -hmm. Just in general, when the press start labeling people or alternative media pundits or authors or people on Twitter as racist or far right, then guess what? Big tech uses that as the dog whistle mm -hmm. to what? Deplatform. Right. So let's take a look at what's going on. So the, we told you about their GoFundMe page, the trucking uh, freedom convoy last uh, Friday. So they've raised over 10 million. Look at this, 10.121 uh, million dollars. That's enough to sustain this thing right into the summer. Look at this. GoFundMe places their page under review, under review. So basically, it's frozen. They're not accepting donations now. So I mean, this is dirty. Uh, I, I can tell you right now. This, there's there's political political machinations behind this for sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So so now, now everyone's asking the big question. We've seen it in Canada. We're seeing it in Europe. What about the United States? I mean, they've got more truckers than the rest of the world combined, uh, and most of them are independent as well. So I mean, where are the U.S.? Where is the trucking? Where is the D.C. rally in the United States? Well, it looks like something is trying to get off the ground here. Let's take a look at this. U.S. trucker convoy coming. Joe Biden will ignore protests at his peril. So this is the Hill saying that it's happening. It's going to happen. And, you know, by all reports that I've seen, it's pretty likely that this is true. How big it is is anyone's guess. Mm -hmm. And seeing what the uh, the government did, what, what Nancy Pelosi did, locking down the Capitol last year with 20,000 troops, all because of a guy in a buffalo suit, and some Viking horns and a few other uh, uh, wrong-ins that showed up at the Capitol last January 6th that they brought in. They scrambled 20,000 U.S. troops mm -hmm. to, quote, secure the Capitol, put up bollards and everything, fencing. Hey, what are they going to do if this thing takes off? I mean, what if there's a couple hundred thousand trucks that uh, def descend on Washington, D.C.? I mean, that will be a crisis. The, the January 6th will be nothing. They'll be screaming insurrection hanging out the Capitol windows uh, with Pelosi and uh, AOC. So I, know, I don't know how they're going to allow these trucks even to get in near the Capitol. But let's take a look at this here. So a Facebook group organized by the U.S. convoy that quickly amassed 130,000 members has been tossed off social media, the, off the platform, amid allegations that the movement was being promoted by, quote, right-wing extremists. It's the same script everywhere, isn't it? It's pretty much the same script everywhere. It's getting old. Look at this. They're, well, at least they're getting some uh, mainstream media coverage here. U.S. truckers slammed Facebook for removing uh, a page organizing D.C. Uh, Freedom Convoy censorship at its finest. I think we've got one of these truckers here, one of the organizers who is an independent trucker. Uh, he, this is what he said about this. And look at the, the justification they're using. They're calling it. Uh, the QAnon concerns. Yes. So let's let's roll this. Listen to this guy. Well, Facebook released a statement to Fox and Friends, Brian. They say we have removed this group for repeatedly violating our policies around QAnon. What's your reaction to this, and how big of a deal is it for this movement that you're trying to start for you to no longer have this Facebook page? Well, I mean, <laughs> I have to laugh about that because can they? contact me or something can we talk <laughs> you know because they're that's not true um, and if that was so they uh, they actually had offered um, the administrators to remove
content and then request to review again. They didn't even give that option when you click back onto the page. They literally wiped uh, Mike Landis and, and Jeremy completely out of the Facebook. They, they, their Facebook profile is gone, banned. They can't even, they don't even have a profile anymore. So how are you supposed to um, request a review or remove anything? It's simply not true. It, it's not true. So pretty articulate, smart guys, and they're getting jerked around pretty badly by uh, Mark Zuckerberg and crew. And it's not going too well for Zuckerberg. I mean, Zuckerberg and Facebook have released their latest results, and, and okay, they're blaming Apple's new privacy policies for, for their loss, but they've actually lost members for the first time ever in the past 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, you know, the, the, their position on certain things is starting to have an effect. It is, and let me tell you something else. The last thing I'll say about this is if, 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 the Senate and the House flip to Republicans in the midterm elections in November, you're going to see a very different orientation with regards to Silicon Valley, big tech, mm -hmm. and this issue of censorship. You're going to see hearings. You're going to see subpoena of records, of evidence, of all the blacklists that they're keeping. They're, they're going to be challenged on all the deplatforming, on all of their special status, not as a, uh, you know, a publisher, mm -hmm. um, and, and on antitrust as well. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So they, I would say to Mark Zuckerberg and people at Facebook and all these other firms, you're doing this at your own peril, okay, because they are really messing around with democracy. I mean, if you're keeping a legitimate uh, political protest movement from getting any visibility in the public square, sure. you are meddling with the democratic process. And let me tell you about the, the last thing I'll say, the Canadian truckers, that you're looking at a powerful political lobby going forward. They have the potential... To, to be the kingmakers or to disrupt a coalition uh, in, in when they're forming the next government in Canada. I mean, these guys have power, and they actually have serious views on things like freedom, liberty, free speech, uh, and, uh, you know, mandates and things like this. So this is, this is not uh, something that's going to blow away. Uh, in All right, so that's U UK Column's report on the, on the Canadian truckers. I thought that was worth playing. And uh, I've been wanting to do a, a piece on the Canadian truckers. I didn't quite manage on Tuesday because I had a conversation with Lawrence instead, and we, we played some David Icke clips. But uh, the, the trucking thing is interesting to me because it's an organic, it's kind of an emergent, iner, emergent organic thing. And there might be some, some money coming from from some right-wing think tanks. I don't know. I'm going to have to investigate that. But uh, I don't automatically assume that's what's happening. Uh, it seems like most of it's funded by donations, at least. And uh, looking, looking, following the money is an important thing, just so that everybody knows where the money's coming from. Uh, and transparency is an important thing as well. So I think uh, I will do some more investigating and see see what's happening with uh, with the UK version at least I'll try and make sure that I know who's organising and, and where they're coming from in terms of uh, who's backing them but uh, ultimately it's a it's an organic thing and the, the activists around here are very enthusiastic and they go out every Friday with their banners and with their placards and they and they make a make a point of having conversations with people driving home on a Friday afternoon. 
if they if they can have a conversation with the drivers. If not, they have conversations with people on the on the pavement, and they're making a difference. It's a small difference, but it's still a difference. And it only takes one conversation to 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 set things set things rolling, and then you never know quite where they're going to end up. So uh, I would encourage people to, if you do have a local stand in the park group meeting on it, usually on a, they're usually on a Sunday morning at ten o'clock. Um, have a look on the website, see if there's a local group, get in touch with the the local activists, and just see what kind of information they're sharing. They they're very open with information, and we're organising. Well, the group that I met up up with on Wednesday. They're organising an archery night, and they're organising uh, talks about gardening and and that sort of thing. So it's all very kind of it's very self help and very kind of practical. Uh, that that's the way I like it. That's the way I like to do what I do. So I fit in reasonably well. So moving on on the the UK column front, there's a there's a piece in the last about the last fifteen minutes of this about uh, the UK launching low-Earth orbit satellites, and I thought that, that's worth playing as well. So I'm going to let this roll from, from about an hour. Oh, this is, this is the, it starts with a, with a press conference, but it'll roll into the piece that I want to play. Do you trust ISIS more than you trust uh, our government, our military? And so, again, that goes back to Matt Lee's question originally. He said, why should we trust the government, knowing your terrible history of making up intelligence and fake claims here? And the press says, well, uh, not ISIS, but I mean, the U.S. has not always been straightforward about what happens with civilians. I mean, this is a fact. And here's Pisaki. Well, you know, there's an extensive process that the Department of Defense undergoes, doing everything possible to avoid civilian casualties. So very extensive process indeed. Uh, let's just remind ourselves of what happened only a few months ago here, uh, the botched drone attack of the United States where they said they were taking out an ISIS-K leader, uh, but really what, the, what did they take out? Ten civilians, including seven children. Here's the live footage here that was just released, uh, I believe, this week, or at least it was declassified. But take a look at this. You can see children around in the alleyway next door. So, uh, just lining up here, this is the targeting. There you go. There's just a fire there. Total disaster. Uh, you know, so that's what you're dealing with there with the U.S. government. So they're getting challenged, and uh, it's not looking. So, what are the, are the press in the United States, at least with respect to foreign policy, uh, growing some teeth? Well, a few of them, yeah, a few of them are. Um, but uh, you know, it's good. It's good to see, nonetheless, uh, because this, these exchanges are getting a lot of uh, publicity as well. Yes. Okay. Well, let's come back to the UK and uh, there or so ago, uh, the uh, British uh, Ministry of Defence published their UK space uh, their their defence space strategy document. At 1.4 billion pounds uh, to what they describe as bolster our national interests in space. So I thought we'd just have a, a quick look at this and see what it is they're talking about. So they're talking about oper operationalizing the space domain, uh, Patrick. So let's see what uh, Ben Wallace said. Uh, it's crucial we continue to push the frontiers of our defense space ambitions 
enhancing our military resilience and strengthening our nation's security. So, of course, this has just been released, but it's not a new policy. It's been going on for quite some time. Uh, two or three years ago, uh, the UK bought this organization, which was uh, actually in bankruptcy, OneWeb, uh, because they wanted OneWeb's um, small, low-Earth orbit uh, satellite technology. Uh, and, uh, well, why did they want OneWeb? Because they needed to update their own uh, satellite low-Earth orbit satellite technology. Now, what the UK government has been doing is been building uh, a, a mesh of uh, communication satellites for military purposes, um, and uh, very much, very similar to what Elon Musk is doing with, with uh, 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 his program to provide internet connection no matter where you are, okay? So that type of scale. Now, can you imagine what it might be called uh, to have a, a grid of satellites uh, around the Earth uh, that uh, that provide uh, military communications for autonomous vehicles and uh, and AI driven vehicles. Yeah, and robots. Uh, well, in fact, it's called Skynet. Oh, uh, and uh, so anybody that knows anything about uh, certain Hollywood movies, Terminator, for example, gets the significance of that. Now, S Skynet Six was was owned and run by, uh, uh, or at least it was built and run by Airbus. But the new generation is going to be uh, run by through through OneWeb technology and so on. Uh, but look, uh, let's go back to 2020 and this uh, communication from the then Chief of the Defence Staff uh, and the Permanent Secretary of Defence. Uh, so that's uh, Nick Carter and Stephen Lovegrove. Uh, and this is what they were saying at that time. Uh, this moment in 2020 represents a strategic reset for us. It underlines the government's ambition to lead in NATO, strengthen the UK's global influence and put defence at the heart of UK prosperity. Now, I'm wondering, how do you put defence at the heart of UK prosperity? I can see maybe two ways to do it. The first one, uh, as expressed by Mark Carlton Smith, the Chief of the Defence Staff, uh, was uh, that peace and war are artificial and binary characterizations of the strategic context that no longer exists today, but which drives uh, much of our policy. So one way to make sure that defence is at the heart of, of the UK's economy is to make sure that you're in a state of perpetual war. Uh, that guarantees that defence industries uh, become significant as regards the economy. But Lovely staged photo, by the way. Yeah, absolutely, yes. But the other way to do it, uh, of course, uh, and this is uh, Alex Sharma when he was business secretary. Uh, he's now, of course, in charge of climate change agenda. But he was speaking in 2020 saying uh, that access to our own global fleet of satellites has the potential to connect people worldwide, providing fast UK-backed broadband from the Shetlands to the Sahara and from pole to pole. So he's almost suggesting that the Skynet and, and other programs that they're running could be uh, in competition with Elon Musk and his uh, internet uh, uh, mechanisms. But let's bring it up to date then and back to Ben Wallace. Uh, and this is what he had to say. We will ensure that we embed dual use at the heart of our capability management processes, considering how we can share defense space capabilities and outputs with other government departments, including the security intelligence services as well as potentially with commercial users. So we, what they're building here, aside from anything else, is a network of satellites which will be used to control autonomous vehicles and also to control uh, joint operations between Britain, the US and other, this is what they're attempting to build. Uh, but it will be, the, the commercial interests will be piggybacked onto that and any data that's going through those satellites, of course, as he's just said, uh, would be available to the security and intelligence services. This is fusion doctrine once again, but let's just remember that it was only a couple of years ago 
that Huawei was kicked out of the UK uh, on 5G networks because of concerns that uh, uh, data flowing through Huawei equipment was available to Chinese intelligence services. So if we as a nation are saying no to that, um, I'm going to ask, are we as a nation going to say yes to the UK doing that to its own people? Mm. Um, so the, 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 st the space, uh, uh, the, they are, this is part of the global Britain strategy, by the way. They are attempting to set themselves up as the sort of glue that binds together all the interoperability of the United States and European defence forces and so on, uh, and to create a, a, a big role for the UK, even though we don't have a navy or an army anymore, we have we are providing a role within uh, international geopolitics and intelligence and, and intelligence. intelligence. Yes, intelligence yes. Uh, five Eyes is very much uh, a core of this. In Marsat, in Marsat uh, satellite company, that's British. It's a British firm as well. So uh, the, the the names that they have for some of these uh, programs, aside from Skynet, they've got uh, Minerva. Uh, so 120 million pounds going to be invested in Minerva. Uh, and that's going to present the UK's ability to set uh, to support frontline military decision making. So that's more comms uh, kind of stuff. And they've got uh, UK Space Command uh, underpinning another 968 million uh, Astari program. Uh, and then Prometheus, uh, Prometheus 2, uh, which is uh, going to be assembled by In Space Missions Limited in Alton. Uh, and these are, again, more of these uh, microsatellites uh, that are being used for similar purposes. All named after Greek gods, yes. conspicuously. Yes. Now, let's just, uh, before we move away from international politics, just come on to uh, Belarus here. And Neil Bush, Bush was speaking in the uh, uh, OSCE, to the United Nations representing the OSCE. Uh, and he was, he was actually representing a number of companies here, including uh, the United States, but also Albania, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Canada. Well, it goes on. Norway, Poland, Portugal, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, a whole bunch of countries, including the UK and the United States. Uh, and what's it all about? Well, it's because uh, they, they are criticizing Belarus uh, over the 1,000 claimed 1,000 political prisoners there. And, and I just wanted to, <laughs> because the hypocrisy here just continues to, to drip out of this man's uh, brains. But here we go. Civil society organizations reported last week that the number of political prisoners in Belarus has now reached 1,000 and continues to grow. Uh, we wish to be crystal clear. By political prisoners, we mean individuals who have been detained or imprisoned for politically motivated reasons, uh, for peacefully exercising their human rights and fundamental freedoms, including freedoms of expression. Uh, we again call for the immediate and unconditional release of all political prisoners in Belarus. Well, I'm going to say we call for the immediate and unconditional release of all political prisoners in the United Kingdom, because by his definition, Julian Assange is a political prisoner. And for Neil Bush to represent all these countries uh, and for Britain to represent all these countries and criticize another country for holding political prisoners while this case goes on, the hypocrisy is just beyond expression. And if he is a Okay, so you get the idea. They've named a, a network of low-orbiting, low-Earth-orbit satellites Skynet, which there's there's got to be some irony in that. Somebody's obviously having a, a bit of a a giggle at the at the Department of Defense's expense with that name. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of <clears throat> changing changing the formats a little bit. The the Tuesday show. Uh, Lawrence is back now, so we've got more of a conversation format. 
Um, and we are, we're playing short, short clips, but it's mostly conversation. Uh, Saturday shows moved, obviously moved from philosophy and spirituality to be more of a, a news and geopolitics format at the moment, but that might end up being something else completely again. Haven't really made my mind up about Saturday yet. I'm just, I'm going wherever my head is, and my head at the moment is in UK column and activism, so, that the show will reflect wherever my head is, and uh, I'm just going to keep it like that because it's it's part of how I express who I am, and uh, and it's it's a re- it means I can do anything. Ultimately, it's a it's a container, but the show can go anywhere, and I want to I want to be as open and as as free flowing as possible with it, whilst also having enough structure to run clips and what have you. So the uh, the progress of the podcast is moving on. Uh, I'm on about 200 downloads a day at the moment, which is, isn't to be sniffed at. It's not bad, given that it's only been in existence for six months. I think that. So I've, what I've done is I've had to make a decision about the 40 pounds that I was spending on the radio station, and I've I've decided to close the radio station down and move that money to to things that support the podcast. So. It'll go into a budget for better microphones and kind of setting up a studio eventually. I may not be immediate, but uh, I'm open to donations. I'm open to support because I need to get a, some kind of studio space set up here. So uh, there's a Patreon account set up. And, uh, yeah, I'm, o- I'm just open to people helping me to get this done because it's uh, it's a difficult thing to do on your own on practically no money so I think I've done alright with what I've got but I'm going to need a bit of help for, for moving it forward if I'm actually going to turn it into something that produces an income I need, I need to be better technically and to be a bit more kind of I don't know a bit more upfront about promoting it probably and I think it can be a business model it can produce an income for me I just haven't figured out quite how yet uh, but I don't want to I don't want to kind of destabilize it and I want to have I want to still be able to have fun with it and make money that's that would be the ideal situation and also have some serious conversations as well so as long as it can go anywhere that it needs to go then the format will work so uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter you can find me at Dennis Barker uh, there's an Odyssey channel, which is Radio Projects. Uh, the Patreon is Radio Project without the S. Uh, I'm on Getter as well as Radio Projects. So and on YouTube, there's a YouTube channel set up as well, um, which is you can find by just looking for Free Association Roundtable Radio Show and Podcast. And you can find the podcast anywhere that you find people talking for, for an hour and calling it a podcast. Ultimately, it's a, a radio show and a podcast isn't that far apart. And uh, there's more more of a business model with podcasts as far as I can make out. So uh, my mind goes in that direction. But it's all good. It happens the way it happens. Uh, it's been a good Saturday. Um I've enjoyed the show, and uh, thanks to the people who are in the chat room who've given me feedback and supported me over the last couple of years. We're coming up to 
we're coming up to the two year anniversary of this show uh, this time next month so even though I did take three months off last year it's still two years is, is pretty good going for me to do anything for two years is good going so I'm I'm well and truly happy about being here for a couple of years and I'll continue to be here and uh, I'll spread my wings in other places now and again but uh, the radio shows are the core of what I do so they're 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 the anchor point. I make they mean they re, they remain the anchor point even if I'm doing live streams and podcasts and what have you. So all being well, I'll see you on Tuesday, nine o'clock my time. It's four four a.m. on the in the states on the east coast. Uh, Mitzi tells me it's one a.m. on the west coast. And uh, if anybody does want to take part in the in the round table, I can record. A conversation with you and then kind of feed it into the conversation I'm having with Lawrence live and we'll see if we can get something working that way uh, you can reach out to me at free association radio show at protonmail.com if you want to get involved and have a conversation but apart from that uh, that's it for me the music will kick in in a second or two and I'll see you on Tuesday and I'll see you at the same time next week Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Hi, I'm Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Are you interested in the paranormal? Murder mystery? Real natural law? Do you enjoy interviews with amazing guests? 
Then join Crypt Rick every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here on Revolution Radio. Studio A, freedomslips.com. Crypt Rick's iPhone thinking. Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs> what the heck is the truth, Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of Truth 